Tyson say to ask you what the real name of the mix is or what the old name of the mix is? New York Knickenbockers? He said New York Knickenbockers. Everyone knows that. I don't know why you think it's some big trivia. Alright. Welcome to the Tempio Seniors Podcast Network. This is the accredited. This is going to be a fun episode just because of the prep we just finished doing for this, and I think we also may be able to break news. The news we may be able to break is that I don't think the Ministry of Youth Sports and Culture knows what baseball is. Like this may be the first time that they're hearing of it. I, I get I get that may come as a shock. That may come as a shock that a sport that popular in a country that has had many professional players in a country that has hundreds, probably thousands of youth players playing, but they do not know what baseball is. And it comes as a shock because of what transpired at their Athlete of the Year awards. It was just a great time had by all. John, your favorite part was actually watching the show. <laughs> yeah, this is the biggest prep meeting we've ever had for the accredited. Um, it really was. <laughs> the, the pre-production was insane. I, I forced now to watch the unveiling of the um, nominees being announced, which to me was the best part of the whole the whole thing. Like that should yeah, just it, be a meme. Really we should make that into a meme. The way that if if, if no one has watched it at minute number thirty two. On ZNS page, go watch it. Just go watch it. It's great. Okay, so if you don't know by now, um, Sydney Clark was named um, the Athlete of the Year, the Ministry of Youth Sports and Culture Athlete of the Year. So you may be wondering, how did this happen, right? If you haven't heard a name before outside of tennis circles or unless you're really invested in the Bahamian sporting landscape, you probably don't know who that is. She's one of the country's top junior tennis players, and what happened was the ministry made it a People's Choice Award, I guess you can say, and they took it to social media. They Well, specifically, they took it to Facebook, and they decided that we are going to just give this decision to the people, and they will decide who the Athlete of the Year is. Now, I know my people. You are giving this decision to the same people that think 5G was the reason that COVID-19 started. You are giving this decision to the same people that do not have any intelligent conversations on social media. You could look for any topic from the most important down to what people having for lunch. Ain't no intelligent conversations to be had on social media. Absolutely none. And you are relying on these people to keep up with what is going on with sports in the Bahamas and with Bahamian athletes globally. And you leave the decision in their hands. Well, this is what you get. Yeah, popularity on the internet. Apparently, we're covering the wrong sports. That's all I'm saying. Like, this is... And and I... We're going to have to say this dozens of times. I want to say it up front. This is not in any way disparaging Sydney Clark's career. I am sure she will go on to UAB and have a great career. But how in the world is it not jazz chism? That's all I'm going to say. Like, this is, this is completely the ministry's fault because the process you went through to decide this left this kind of thing possible if you have a small select group of people that are quote-unquote experts if you have a media the media making the decision or a panel of people in the know then yes that is different i don't understand this like the nba would the nba would never do this to decide the mvp they do this for the all-star game yeah you have fans involved but imagine if the nba fans got to decide who the mvp is luca would have been in the all-star game the first year if fans got to decide (laughs) Who made the Y'all would have been 
Yao Ming would have been the MVP of the league for 11 consecutive years with all the other Chinese basketball players making all first NBA team. Yi Jiang, what was his name? I can't remember it. Li Jiang. Yeah. That guy, he would. That guy would have been uh, all NBA first team player. He would have been making it over KG during his prime. But to take it back to this, right? Like, I'm not sure what happened or what goes on in in their brainstorming meetings. And this, but this is what I think happened. I'm gonna speculate, right? They got in this meeting and they said, "We want to show that we are engaging with the youth or with the young people." This is this is how I think they talk because I think these are people that are very disconnected. What the young people like is the Facebook. So mm, what me, we are Facebook going to is, do is what's key. High school <laughs> what we're kids, going to Facebook. Do to engage with the young people is we are going to go to the Facebook and let them decide. All right. Well, this is what you get. So somebody who had a year, and we we all know what COVID did to sports this year. But somebody who had a year where he achieved something historically significant. He's only the seventh Bahamian. Since we've been playing baseball in the Bahamas, only the seventh Bahamian to make it to the MLB. Made the playoffs. And then on, to- and then on top of that, you have a historic year with your franchise where they get back into playoffs and end one of the longest playoff droughts in the MLB. And you become Started a, a playoff favorite. game. Let's not do that. Something that hasn't been done since... Game. Something that hasn't been done since the 70s when Adam Brister did it with, with the Reds. So, it's not like he was just there. Every game, you have Jazz Chisholm talking about the Bahamas. There's some conversation about the Bahamas. So, you're putting that brand out there on the international stage where people know his name. And he's doing historically significant things. Like, he's become a per Even though he's, one of the, he's not by any means the star of this team, but he's somebody that people in the Miami area are getting to know. Like, you can see he has those star kind of qualities. The resume is there. The historical significance is there. This was the easiest decision to make. How the hell did they botch this? Let's put it this way. And, and I always say, and this is my opinion, but it's a fact, baseball is the hardest sport to become a professional and make it to the top. End of story. Because... Baseball isn't like football where if you're a high draft pick, you're automatically signed to the team. NBA, you're a first-round pick, you're guaranteed a four-year contract. Hockey is a little more like baseball where most of those players go to the minor leagues. But you got to pay your dues in baseball because of all these unwritten rules of you have to go down. I mean, this was five years in the process. This kid signed at 16, and it's a process to get to where he was. And just the achievement alone of making it, regardless of what it is he played what 30 30 some games this season like hands down this my when i heard it i said how jazz ain't win that that's just me and it's, it's I, I don't even think i'm looking at it as a biased thing because we cover him we know him i just feel that that achievement alone is the biggest sports story that we had this entire year we try we try to do this where we search for these stories to post on social media there was nothing else happening. Like when we before even before COVID hit, right? We were already saying, "All right, the Olympics may not happen, but you know what? We're gonna have Jazz definitely is getting called up this year." So anytime there was a hint to anything, we were on top of that. We were just waiting on the moment because we knew it was going to happen eventually. We were even planning, "Hey, we just gotta be in Miami during this certain time period, just in case." We gotta look Miami. ahead and start. And I couldn't even go. We gotta look ahead. 
reach out to the Marlins just to make sure we get accredited for this thing because we know it's going to happen. So all of the signs were there. And then you have this huge, huge historical moment for the country. But, you know, the ministry say give it to the people to vote. I, I, I mean, Let's put it this way. Let's just applaud the ministry for trying something different. I'm not, that's no, it. I'm not, I'm that's not, all I'm not applauding. No, 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 no. Like, I just say, I just say applaud because it's just trying something different. But I feel it could be done better. And here is how it could be done better. First off, yes, you could use social media, but use it as a percentage factor of what it is. You need, you, you really need to go to the people who cover the sports. Like, we're not short of people who know sports in this country and usually what it is is it's the media because the media are the ones who are usually dealing with sports at it's your every, job to just know yeah, it at every level so they could have easily have said okay we could make 25 percent worth of social media thing right 50 percent worth of let's go get people who have covered the sport who could discuss it put their list and rank their list and then another 25 percent for uh accomplishments so you could put, for example, being called up to the major leagues is worth this. So everyone would have their point system. I mean, that's a lot of work. Now that I think about it, so I don't want to do it anymore. But um, no, no, just, we're not doing it. They get people. Yeah. That, people get paid to do this. What else are they getting paid yeah. to do? There, so, there's an entire ministry for it, which means they get a budget. So the whole thing too is you need to be able to then. I think you should separate the youth category with the adult category, because to me, youth achievement. I, I really feel you should always have the youth um, get an award for. I'm not a participation trophy or anything, but you yeah, need to show the no, youth that you're looking at them. And then the adults get their own thing. I don't think you should lump both them together because it's two different aspects. Like we could have easily had a bunch of high school basketball players, volleyball players, the the tennis players in there um, at the youth level, and then at the senior level, you could then say, you know, let's go with college professional those athletes there. Um, so there, there are ways to, to do, I feel it could be done better. Um, that's not meaning I'm giving up my services for doing this, but I just feel there needs to be, there needs to be more thought in, in how you're going to give these awards out. But I would say this, Charles Fisher wins the award for best envelope opener of all time on TV because they seal them suckers. They sealed they them the with ringer. crazy glue, tape. He just had to rip them apart. Send this production. Y'all got to help Fisher out. In the history of award shows, you only have to open one envelope, okay? Because you never know. There's a whole lot of unpredictable variables that can happen in envelope opening. You may rip the actual award. Then you may can't see what's written on the paper. Something may get stuck. Too many variables. So as a production person, you limit it to one envelope. You do not seal all of the nominees and have a person open And with one envelope, you literally put the winner and the first runner-up in the last envelope. So you can say, and the first, and then you just turn it around, and it's all good. It's all fine and dandy. But, no, I really thought that that was the best part of the entire show, seeing the paper pile up in the middle of the table. Just It just keeps going up. We're not going green or anything. It's just... Effort. Let's use all the envelopes we have and all the paper we have. But I mean, all that being said, though, we do have to explore the very real possibility that they don't know what baseball is. 
I don't know if it's just team sports just doesn't get the same kind of recognition or if it's just baseball doesn't get the same kind of recognition because let's be real about this. You could even put Anton in there because Anton also made history. Like baseball was the only Anton sport was this on year the list. All, he was he, it was the only sport this year to make all these historic strides. He's the first Bahamian to coach. In Anton the was thirteenth on the list. Of course he was. How many nominees were there? Twenty. Oh, we had an NFL player as nineteen. Like, um, I get it. We have a lot of people that have Bahamian blood. Then Clay Thompson should have been was on that this the, list. Was that the dude from the Chiefs? Yeah, Fenton. Come on, dog. What are we like, doing? Put Buddy. Uh, what are we doing? Buddy's on the list. Put Clay Thompson. Put Eric Gordon. Who else do we have? <laughs> what are, What are we doing? I mean, even even if you talk about Buddy, Buddy won the three point contest in February. Is it, I mean, is that a part of it? Anyway, I don't know. You know, Willis is my but, boy and all, but he shouldn't be above Aiden. Even though Willis did win MVP of his league, but DeAndre Aiden though. But this is what this is what happens when you don't have people in the room actually deciding the difference between this these things. So you hear MVP of a league in Spain and you think, okay, MVP, that's a great huge accomplishment. But averaging eighteen and eleven your second year in the NBA, it's kind Aiden no in the bubble, undefeated in the bubble. It's, it's kind of it's kind of different. Like you gotta you gotta put perspective on these things. So clearly you don't have any people, and they decided that they didn't want to do the work. So again, none of this is meant to disparage your career, Sydney Clark. I'm sure she's gonna kill it at UAB. This is meant to completely disparage the Ministry of Sports. Like that is all this is because they are horrible at doing this, and they should never do it again. Like I don't know what the perks are that comes along with this. I don't know what you get from this. I don't know if it's just something you get to put on a resume and it sounds cool. Because let's be real, if we get nominated for an Emmy, even though we don't deserve it, if they decide that they want to give the 10YS podcast an Emmy, we're about to put that in our bio. We're about to talk I'm about that shirts. every single day. I'm just making so, shirts and wearing one every yeah, day. All of us would be happy with that. So it ain't up to us. It's up to the decision that it's up to the people that put the decision making mechanism in place how this happened in the first place. So it's not it's not about Sidney Clark. It's about the Ministry of Sports just deciding we ain't trying to do this job. It, what? It's been a busy year for them with everything closed and not happening. This was too much. <laughs> Time to start covering tennis. <laughs> I will say this though. Tennis people. Y'all out here. Yo, like, I'm a tennis person. Ass off. Like you may not realize I'm a tennis person. I grew up playing tennis. I was in the heyday of tennis when we had Mark Knowles, Mark Merklin, Roger Smith, John Farrington, Davis Cup Zone One. We had we played USA, Andre Agassi and, and them in, in Davis Cup. We played Chile was twice that bald down Andre here. Andre Agassi or crazy hair Andre Agassi? I think it was in between. Mm. Like yeah, but you know we 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 had Ecuador come when Nicholas Sapenti was playing. We've I've seen. I like when you I, go. I like when you go when you're tennis bag and call these yeah. names of people that I have no idea. What I are. grew up in go the ahead. heyday of tennis in the Bahamas, right? And for us to, I think for us to even win an award, and like I said, I don't have anything against Sydney. We need to get back to that level. We need to get back to the peak of what we were in tennis. But I just had a thought: Has Mark Knowles ever won this? What I don't if even Mark know. Knowles has Mark never Knowles won has won Grand yet. Slam, double stud. He was a number. Yo, this is a this is a real story. So, I was with Nicholas Masu, 
He was the first person to ever win a gold medal in singles and doubles in the Olympics. And he's from Chile. So he was down here, and I was driving him around to Atlanta because he wanted to see the, you know, he just wanted to see things. So yeah. we're driving, and he says, yeah. yo, what's Mark Knowles doing? And I'm like, oh, I think he's out of California. Man, he must be super famous down here. He was the number one double player in the world. You would this is, think. This, this is someone, like, Nicholas Masu was a top 10 tennis player. But he was going on about just how great of a tennis player and how respected he was on the ATP tour. And he was just, and I looked at him and I said, people do not care about him. And he looked at me like, you have to be kidding me. Like, if we won these titles that he won for the Bahamas, if we won that for Chile, he said when they won the Olympics, they just shut the whole city down. Like, literally, the whole city in Santiago, 15 million people, it was their playground. You know how many times in school I got asked um, if, if like, a gym or if there's a statue of Michael Thompson here? Like, if, if everything Bahamian basketball-related is just named after Michael Thompson because that's what people assume because obviously how the hell did the Bahamas have a number one pick in the 70s like that's insane who also went on to be a really good player and won two titles like that seems that seems unprecedented but I just had to be like no there there literally was nothing at that point because at that point he didn't no, no, he didn't even get the, the little roadway thing. So to that point, when I was in school, there was nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing with Michael Thompson. And Thompson's in the 90s, Sikandal Isaac's gym. It's like, way to go. But the closest thing we ever had to that was Andre Rogers when he had a baseball stadium, and then they knocked Before him down. Before they tore that down. Book, <laughs> at which, you know what? Thank you for the segue, and that makes it cyclical, brings us back to, these people hate baseball. And I feel like we finally figured out what it is. These people hate baseball. How much do you see them... Uh, how the accomplishments of Adam Brister. This dude laid down like one of the most controversial bunt plays in the World Series. Like, I feel like every Bahamian kid should know that. Everyone who plays baseball should know that. How important Anton scored Derek Jeter's last RBI in Yankee Stadium. It's like, yo, Bahamians have been, for some reason, we've only had seven professional athletes in the major leagues. Not professional, but major league athletes. Yeah, yeah. And they have been... Three, I would say, yeah, I would even put Jazz in there just going to the playoffs. You have three players who have made significant history in baseball. Like, Jazz is the youngest Bahamian to make the majors. They don't care about this shit. <laughs> they just don't. Like, they don't care about it. They don't care about it. Ba- go around and ask baseball players about the kind of support that they get from the government. I remember. Only, like, only during home run derby. Is that really support or is that coming there to take some pictures? That's like lotion. Like it's photo ops. Because we're good at photo ops. You know what oh, I think boy. it is? You know what I think it is? They're good at photo ops, right? What are they even better at? Junk new celebration coming home. Oof. The only reason Jazz didn't win is because he didn't come home. And because of COVID, they couldn't have the junk new celebration. That's their go-to. So I finally figured out what happened in the meeting. We're breaking all kind of news today. So what you happened was... what's insane, though? When Jazz was down there in January, right? And he was doing his little camp. No one from the Nobody ministry was there. Was there. Like, well, he literally is dealing with youth. He brought them stuff. Yeah. Backpacks yeah. full of, of, of school supplies. Like, this guy you is... You go to Freedom the... Farm now, everybody got that same Miami Marlins backpack that he brought to them. Yes. Everyone should be wearing number 70, fighting for that, even though... Um, Jazz probably could change his number But everyone should be fighting to wear number You know what, every Freedom Farm team Should put a number 70 on their on their roster End of story 
Bro. But despite all of that, despite all the historical significance, the ministry was like, nah, no, no, no. Just let the people decide. The people who think that Was it one vote per person or was it like you could vote every day? You think you think they had all those kind of logistical checkpoints in place for this? They it came down to likes. It was likes. Likes decided who the athlete of the year is for your ministry. It was likes. They didn't even use all social media platforms, by the way. It was just likes on Facebook. Which, by the way, kudos to tennis people. They all out, yo. Because yeah. not only did Sydney win, but Justin Roberts was three. Like, tennis people is about that Facebook life. Like, they on there and they voting their asses off. Congratulations, we're tennis. We're about oh, to good. start covering tennis some more. As a tennis expert, guys, don't worry about it. Uh, can you pronounce the name of the young lady that finished number two? Because Millie. I can't. Okay. <laughs> we give another two a treatment. Yes. She's a she's a one name superstar. One name I remember superstar. That, I remember that being everywhere across social media as well. Yeah, I remember uh, that too. The, Anytime a national the, anthem is played when we win, it's just a big deal. Yeah. Like no one, everybody's just like, yo, I could be a flip cup champion, and I could be yeah. on a podium, and you play my national anthem. And everyone's going to go berserk. Listen. Granted, I would be one of those people too saying I'm the best. Yeah, no, of course. Listen, I'm not saying we're the experts at this. We are. But all I think is that if you are going to have a national award, the people that decide this national award should be. They're not going to let fans decide who should get in the college football playoff. There's a committee for that. They're not... Yeah. <laughs> they don't let fans decide who gets into the NCAA tournament. There's a committee for that. Like, it, there's always a committee for these things because those are people that are selected because they are in the know. They have privy to some sort of information that the average layperson wouldn't have. Like, we cover this stuff. We know everybody ain't into all of this. And it would be impossible for people to be keeping up with everything that's going on. We know that. I'm not saying it's the people's fault because if you go on there and you know Sydney or if you're a tennis person, of course I'm voting for Sydney. I want Sydney to win this thing. Maybe they didn't even think she would win it because it was such a foregone conclusion. But <laughs> that was the mechanisms that the ministry put in place. They suck. And we'll go back. It's nothing against her. Who knows? Maybe she would have won the award if there was a real panel. But we're just saying, put Maybe. something in place where it could be... The validity is more. Let's just put it that way. Like... It's like most of these um, uh, awards shows in the Bahamas. Literally, they ask, nominate somebody. It's like, I really think y'all should research someone. And shout out to Elevation Awards because we won something. Wow, our oh, first yeah. award. We could put that on Look our resume, right? Should we put like a little yep. trophy? X won award winner. Austin Sydney Clark, baby. We out you. <laughs> we out you. I wonder if Tannis people voted for us too. Alright, we spent we spent more time on this than, than we expected to, but I just thought it was, we, we had to, because even in podcast prep off-air, we just talked about how ridiculous it was that Jazz could achieve this and not get recognized from his own government. Like, that's crazy that you have people in Miami giving you more recognition than people back home, but it's whatever. I... I, I <laughs> Whenever I see people become disenfranchised with the way things are done here and they do things in other places, 
you have people criticizing that, but then you also got to understand why. Understand why, and I would completely get it. Let's segue to one of those people, well, two of those people that were on the list. I assume everybody was a nominee because they had like 20 people, but let's talk some NBA for a minute. So we know that the NBA had to push up the start of this season and the start of training camp. So the Lakers, I think the Lakers had something crazy like 71 days off, but training camp is back here again. Buddy and DeAndre Ayton had significantly more time off because, of course, they weren't in the playoffs. And let's just so, talk about how unfair that was for Aiden them going on. Un- I really feel because they went yeah. undefeated in the bubble, they should have just been like, you know what? Now you have to play the Grizzlies. If you win this yeah. game, you play Portland. And if you win that game, you got to beat them again and you go into the playoffs. I remember what was happening during the bubble. This was at, when I was at the apex of my Phoenix Suns fandom. This was Milwaukee's fault, okay? Because I remember Brooklyn trying so hard to win that last game. Karis LeVert went all world trying to win that last game against Portland. It's Milwaukee's fault because they blew it. Uh, Gian- Giannis got kicked out or something like that, and then they just he completely stomped someone down in the nuts, and, probably something like and, that, I don't and know. gave the game up. No, he, I think he headbutted or poked a guy. It was something ridiculous like that, but they completely gave that up. But what happened at the end of the bubble once the Kings got eliminated? We knew who how everyone knew how unhappy Buddy was, and. <laughs> Buddy wears all his emotions on his sleeves. Like, you are going to know exactly what he's thinking. Whether it was with the contract situation, where, where he was saying, ain't nobody coming to Sacramento, pay me. You're going to know what he's thinking. So, after they get eliminated, he gets asked the question, will you be content coming off the bench next year? And he gave a cryptic but not-so-cryptic answer when he says, y'all know me, y'all... I mean, y'all basically... Y'all know what it is. Like, I, I'm, I'm not hard to read... Y'all know how I am, and you can take that to me. Hell no, I'm trying to come off no bench next year. So yeah, fast. I don't know why, buddy. Just be like, but you stupid. Like, just just go full Bahamian on them. Like, no one's gonna care. That'll make some great content. So we fast forward, and the Athletic has this report in October saying Buddy and Luke Walton just haven't spoken, or specifically, Buddy ain't answering calls from Luke Walton. So the training camp interviews come around. Luke Walton. He's asked the simple oh softball God. question. Is and Buddy going to stop? He, he's something like the Ministry of Sports because this was a simple softball thing where it was very the Sacramento easy Kings you are going to have a, you a, could an Instagram not lose poll. This. Who to start? <laughs> you could not lose it. You know what? Maybe the Kings should do that. The Kings should decide who the starters are on Facebook. You get the most likes, you're starting. <laughs> That's how the Ministry would do it. So he gets asked a very simple question. Easy to knock out of the park. Are you going to commit to Buddy as your starter? And he dances all around this simple shit. And I was so amazed because he just would not commit to it. We got a lot of new faces and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's going to earn their sport. What the hell are you talking about? This An was established 20-point game player has to earn This was his your spot. leading scorer two years ago. He was your second leading scorer last year. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. What in the hell are you talking about? The person that you started ahead of him for 28 games last year has left in free agency. So that person ain't even there. How is he not your starter? What did you think when you heard Luke Walton just ramble on with that bullshit? I'm going to first say, I don't know what it is, but Buddy must have juiced the gal and he ma. Because to get this type of treatment, it's just like, all right, Buddy got paid the big dollars, right? And never in my life, 
and you know that this is true. Have you paid somebody in basketball and not try to commit and stick with them? You remember um, Dead Man? I can't even say his name properly. They paid him $13 yeah. million dollars a year and they didn't want to start Rashad Holmes over him because of the amount of money they invested in him. It's like, this is the same thing with Buddy, except it's the opposite treatment. I actually read a comment on um, our Instagram page because, you know, I'm a comment guy. And I believe yeah. the guy was right. And he said, if I Buddy was an American... send your blood pressure to Sky High. No, 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 no. It's entertainment when it's a pandemic. But he said, if Buddy was an American, the media and everyone would be all for him. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like people just against him. Like, people just... Because this is how Bahamians are. Bahamians are not going to hide the fact that they're not happy. Like, what's the point? The point is, I'm going to tell you how it is. As Buddy says, I'm going to keep it 100 and that's all he's doing. He's telling you how it is. He, he's not going out his way and lying to you. Like, do you want someone who's going to lie to you and then be like, oh, well, you know, F y'all. But he could have easily have said, you know what? I'm not showing up to training camp. What y'all going to do now? He could have done the James Harden thing and just go party with little baby. Because yeah. James Harden didn't show up to the first day of camp. But see, the, the, the difference is, baby gifts. I don't think um, Buddy would go party. Buddy would be in the gym shooting three-pointers. That's the difference. Like, Buddy loves yeah. to work out. Buddy loves to play basketball. But I don't think that... And it's funny, because I've been around Sacramento. I've been around... Like, the fans, they love them. Now they're getting hard on them. But for some reason, it seems like the franchise is just... this friction in there just because of how he dealt with the contract situation. But the man has to get paid. But it goes, it goes deeper than that, though, because... You had the contract situation. It was it was uh, it was the perfect storm of of, of bad variables that created this. Because you go in with the contract situation, and then Luke Walton installs his offense that completely changes Buddy's role. So you go from what Dave Yeager had him doing when he and De'Aaron Fox were at the point of attack for the fastest paced team in the NBA, mind you. Dwayne Wade said he knew it was time to retire because, because going against that. Buddy and De'Aaron Fox, they were too fast. Dwayne Wade, Hall of Fame player, one of the greatest shooting guards of all time, said, these dudes are too fast. I can't be out there hooping with these young boys no more. They made Dwayne Wade say that. Luke Walton comes in and everything changes. So all of a sudden now, he places the ball in Buddy's hands more as a playmaker. Imagine if Buddy was playing for the Heat. Do you think Eric Spolster is placing the ball in his hands as a playmaker, or is he going to be doing what Duncan Robinson does? Duncan Robinson got paid because he's in a system that is going to take advantage of his skill set. Buddy was in a system that was actually trying to force a different skill set on him, and then you had the backlash from that. So people saying, oh, he he turns the ball over too much, or he's not the greatest decision maker. Well, that's not what he does. I could have told you that. Everybody knew that. That's not what he does. And here's the thing where you have to look at that. When Buddy played for the national team, we played Dominican Republic, right? We literally did not have a point guard. We had uh, Cornish, but Cornish was coming off the bench. But Buddy turned the ball over like six times in the first quarter. He had three fouls. It's just like, that's not Buddy's game. Yes, Buddy is an NBA player. Buddy could, he could do it once in a while. He could make his own shot, but he's not the primary ball handler. That's like going and saying, hey, De'Aaron, just go on the wing, and we're going to find you spot of shooting, and, 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 let Buddy, and let Buddy make the decision to pass to you. 
it, it, it just doesn't make sense. And so and we ha- when we had uh, Leo from Cowbell Kingdom on, he spoke about that same thing. Like, you're not putting him in a position to succeed. So how are you going to be upset when the results are what it is? It goes back to the ministry thing. You're not putting the people in a position to succeed. So you can't be upset that the results are what they are. It's you doing that. Like, you're the root cause of all of that, all of that stuff. So... You had that happen, right? So let's let's bring it back to now after Luke Walton said what he said, which was strange to me because that came after the new GM. The new GM has been high on Buddy, Mondi McNair. Like yeah. he said from... Because he loves he the three-point ball. His very first interview, he said, Buddy's an elite shooter. This league needs elite shooters. He's going to be a big part of us moving forward. He followed that up with saying, I spoke to Buddy, I spoke to his agent, we all on the same page, everything's good. So you're thinking, all right, and then you saw they allowed Bogdanovich to leave, they didn't match the offer sheet from the Hawks. So you're thinking, all right, the front office is buying into Buddy, everything's moving forward, we all good. But then you have Luke Walton saying, he ain't no starter. Wait, so this, I, was like, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, who do you All believe? this tells me is, Luke is gone after this year. I, it don't matter what happens. Luke is yeah. gone because if you're having the GM and stuff, and let's just put it this way. The friction between Vladi and Buddy was never bad. Let's put it that no. way. It, they, 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 you know, they would say things to each other, but I feel like they were on the same page. They knew what was happening. You know what that was? That's that foreign link, but that's yeah. that, none of us, none of us American. We ain't, we ain't from here. So let, yeah, let's none of us, none of us from here. But I feel that even if Luke and them make the playoffs this year, I feel Luke's gone, like, because the GM's going to want to bring in their own coach. It goes back to what you, you were saying about um, making money and having the opportunity, right? De'Aaron Fox, his his extension doesn't his extension doesn't kick in until next year. So for this year, but he's their highest paid player. You bring in your highest paid player off the bench? Apparently, that, Luke says you got to test everything, all the options. That, but then think of that's this. That's what you're doing? The, so you're going to start your rookie this... Tyrese Halliburton over? Oh, That's he could be good, though. though. He could be good. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted Anthony. Phoenix to pick him. I, but I wanted Phoenix to pick him. I ain't going to lie. The thing is with, with De'Aaron and, and Buddy, like, the GM is like, that's the core, right? And, and yeah. the memes were funny online when people are like, when Buddy finds out he's still a part of the core, like the memes yeah, yeah, on Twitter yeah. was he funny. he likes one of those. But you got to think of it. De'Aaron Fox signed a five-year max extension yeah. with no player option so De'Aaron has committed for five He's years there. Buddy yeah. has four years and I don't know I don't think he has a player option on his on his four years so the core is there like that is your core those two those two players right no but here here's the thing though it's supposed to be those three everybody gets on Buddy but let's not forget Marvin Bagley was picked number two overall. Marvin Bagley is supposed to be a huge part of this thing. Marvin Bagley ain't played but 30 games in the NBA, if all of that. Marvin Charman Bagley. I mean, listen, and injuries are something people can't control. So, I I mean, but the, the, the best ability is availability. You ain't on the floor. Like, Buddy gets a whole lot of the blame. They started that season, both De'Aaron and Marvin Bagley was off. And Buddy was out there trying to do everything on his own. But people don't put that perspective into it, though. He just is the one that gets all of the blame. Because it's not going to be, it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be De'Aaron Fox. This man in Sacramento the last two years have been averaging 20 points a game. 
20 points. He literally won the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> by himself. Like, there was no hope whatsoever that game. And he wins that game. It's like, Buddy is going to put everything on the court, regardless of if it's good or if it's bad. Wait, shooters have their cold streaks. He just happened so, to have some cold streaks at the beginning of the season, and people just don't forgive you for that. So let's go to Buddy's reply to all of that. And the minute we heard Luke Walton say that, I think... You you messaged me and said, yo, buddy, speaking to the media today, and I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Because I thought there was only one or two ways. There was only two ways this was going to go. Either he was going to go all in on Luke and say what he really feels, or he was going to play it differently than he played the contract thing and just deliver all the cliches and just get it done and, and get it over with. He kind of tread the line, tread the line on both. He basically said, "You know what? It it, it that was the that was like an it is what it is kind of answer. Like when they asked him about his role coming off the bench, he said, "That's not up to me. That's up to the coach or whatever." When you hear somebody say the coach and they don't say their name, that means I don't like him. Like I yeah. don't. I'm not. I'm not referencing his name. Me and him ain't like that for me to say Luke. That's up to the coach. And here's the thing. Like he said Alvin's name. And for some reason, I thought that there was going to be tension with that. I, I forgot he, about that. Yeah. I don't think he cares about... Uh, I remember Buddy spoke to me. It was um, his first year in Sacramento. or second. Or it was the second season in Sacramento. And I asked him about the Pelicans. And he said, one thing I've heard is that the Pelicans regretted trading me. Like, so there was always been that with, I guess, with that staff. So they never disrespected him. I mean, to get Boogie Cousins, you're going to do whatever it takes because you're thinking Boogie 80, you're going to be able to make playoffs, etc., etc. That's two all-stars. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think there's any, ever been bad blood um, between them. I think that's something. And, and that's what the media does. The media just creates scenarios for no reason. Like, my favorite part of the Buddy interview was when he said, where Leo is? Because everyone's asking the same damn question, right? And... Yeah. I always feel on media day, right? Everyone wants, you know, all these hard journalists. Uh, it's just like, bro, sometimes you got to hit, hit them with some fluff, you know? Get them comfortable in the situation. Because all you he's going to be... That's the Levitar strategy. You got to yeah. do that first before you get to the exactly. hard question. So don't ask me about do, Luke Walton first. Yeah. Or I know this might be something. Now I'm already pissed. Like, come on now. Hit me, yeah. hit me with like, yeah. you know, uh, your off season was different this year. You weren't able to go home. How did you cope with this during COVID? Oh, that's an easy fluffy answer that he could go, blah, 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 whatever. But no, these people are like, ah, we're going to get with it. Well, the, the media in Sacramento are looking for a scapegoat. They're looking for a reason why they're bad. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. They are bad because they are just bad. The coaching ain't helping. The, as you it's can see, the front, the front the, office the, down. Exactly. The front office. If the front office ain't working and the coaching ain't working, don't expect the players to become superstars somehow, some way. To, to magically make everything disappear. Injuries, this, that. They want yeah. a scapegoat. That's what the... Like, Buddy's right. No one wants to go to Sacramento as a free agent. Hassan Whiteside went there because he couldn't go anywhere else. Exactly. But nobody so wants to go the there. gets the blame. Yeah. The so they, get they're the looking for someone to just know, blame. We know what their contract situation is. So we hear it in the news. Oh, Buddy's making this for this amount of years. So you can always reference that. We have no idea what the owners are making. We have no idea what the GMs are making. Like, nobody talks about that stuff. But you use 
the contracts of the players as a point of reference is saying this is what your production should be. Well, what, what should the production of the front office be? It's been, Sacramento's been Stability. unstable for how long? <laughs> That's what they how need. How long? But like, then I... In, in our lifetime, not since the the Weber, Divock, Sayakovich era was the last time Sacramento was in, was stable. It's the yeah. early two thousands. It's been like twenty years. And think of this: Doug Christie was on that team, and now the he's a commentator. Who, yeah, the, the man who probably whose wife had to go on every trip, which is the same. But I remember I read something a couple months ago, maybe half a year ago before the pandemic, wherever that was. But apparently. There were a lot of people in Sacramento being upset with the newspapers because they were now getting paid for how many clicks their articles get. So it became a clickbait thing. And Sacramento was a part of that fold where, oh, we're going to now pay you. I I don't know what happened with that, but it's something where the Sacramento reporters are always going to need that clickbait. It it seems like. And the best one is journalism is now. Yep. Buddy Heal. Let's get that clickbait in. What's Buddy saying? This is Buddy who is the best person to get quotes. Going to talk about? Like they, my favorite, exactly. The favorite thing is when you go in the locker room, right? Because I always stick behind, talk to Buddy, right? Buddy would turn to reporters and say, "But you don't like me, hey? Like just like that? Come, come, sit down. Why you don't like me? Why are you always writing these things? Well, it's my job, and it's like, so what's your job? To bash me, or to support a team, or you know." Most of them are just trying to bash people. People just want those quotes, and they want to take it out of out of context. So, like my whole my whole thing with that is, and I remember when he he was the lightning rod for all the criticism very early on, because like we said, De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley was out. So, who else are you gonna go in that locker room and rush to? You've been in the locker room during that time period. Where else are you gonna go? Like you you're gonna get the hot quote from Corey Joseph? Is that what we doing? <laughs> You, you want to go to Dwayne Dedman and see what he thinks about things? Like, are, are we going to get his take on that? What, you going to go to Harrison Barnes? What you asking him when you about to shave? Like, I don't, I don't know. There was no place else for them to go to, so you make the biggest character, and at that point, he's the biggest character. You make that person, you either hold him up as the reason that you're winning or the reason that you're losing. And since that is a bad team, he was the reason that they were losing, and he got all of it. So, based off his interview pre-training camp, you think he patched things up with Luke Walton? Because he, he said he said it's nothing to work on. Yeah, <laughs> he said, Ain't you know what he's going to work on? He, he said, work "I love on. everybody here." His he pretty much said, "I'm going to shut up and dribble." That's what he pretty much said. I'm here to win basketball games. So this man is just saying, you know what? Don't ask me about nothing. I just here to play ball and to win games. That's what I'm here for. End of story. You, you think he finished? You think he finishes this season in Sacramento? No. I think he'll end up getting traded for like two first-round picks to a team that's desperate in the playoffs, thinking that they have a shot, like Dallas Mavericks, um, to be able to go over the hump. Oh, put that all the way in the universe because I just... Listen, if it's one thing, and we're going to get to Aiton and, and his training camp interview next, but if it's one thing that the bubble taught me, it's how emotional... It would be to see a behemoth in the playoffs. I just want any one of them to play meaningful basketball. Like meaningful yep. basketball is something different. Like you could capture the same kind of, same kind of. You would capture the same kind of magic that we had when we were watching the Bahamas play Mexico and Atlantis. Like that's playing meaningful basketball game and watching behemoths do that. That would be huge. Like the I last just time, want him to get out of there. Yeah, the last time we had meaningful basketball, and I mean like meaningful to the point of like holy crap was Buddy Final Four. 
in Houston. Yeah. That's the yeah. last time I could say that I've seen the entire country come together because they know what the cause is. Like, they know it's like, this is for everything. This is for... The, and that's what we need. We need people to be able to get into that moment. I, I still can't believe I, I emailed my editor from the airport and was like, yeah, but I go to Houston. Eh, y'all ain't serious about this. I had those, I I had those tickets Y'all ain't taking this seriously. Yo... I'll send you all these stories from there. Y'all yo, we paid $1,100 for that trip. It's a good trip. But $1,100, you see what the hotel prices it was a, went up to? It was, an, it was an important trip. And that yeah. was when I realized that in the media scrum, what you do is you just have your Bahamian accent as thick as possible and force them to look. Yeah. That's what you do. It's like, see, at that moment, Buddy wasn't at the apex of his fame yet. He was still a young college buddy. So... When he heard the accent, boom, that's when you go, Soldier, I gotta go come talk this to way. These. I, gotta, I gotta go talk to these people. That's how it yeah. is. Journal, journalism 101. All right, let's get to Aiton and the addition of Chris Paul. So that was the big move. That was the first move of this NBA offseason that had everybody talking. Chris Paul going from OKC. Be- before we to get Phoenix. into this Chris Paul thing, right? Okay. I just wanna say, was this pre orchestrated because the Phoenix Suns moved to the Jordan brand uniforms? Chris Paul, oh, yeah, Chris Paul is a Jordan Brand player. I'm just saying, that. yeah. I mean, These, the, it is true it, that shoe companies run the NBA. Yeah, they do. Shoe companies run the NBA. That's it is what it is. Uh, the superstar players get paid more from their shoe companies than they get paid for for from the team. Like the Adidas pays James Harden, the Rockets don't. Like, Nike yeah. pays LeBron, the the Lakers don't. So that I mean I don't know there may be something to that he is clearly the biggest name on the Jordan brand until I mean for the next couple of years until Luca really does more Luca things that's that's a good theory that he was going to go to a Jordan brand team no matter what because huh. it wasn't going to be the Hornets but it just magically all of a sudden because I remember I'm looking at Instagram and it's like new Jordan Phoenix and I'm like that doesn't really make sense now it makes sense it makes all the sense now. So, the the only team to finish the bubble undefeated. So actually, the if best you ask bubble me, the, team the, in the, NBA the bubble, history. The bubble the champions, really. The bubble champions. They, I mean, undefeated. Did did you beat them? No. Bubble champions. So. The Suns need a resurgence. Have not been to the playoffs in the last ten years. You hit on the draft pick, getting the superstar Devin Booker. You hit on the draft pick with Aiton, despite. The haters. Things that have slowed him down. But we said in that first season, this team didn't have a point guard. How is a young big man supposed to progress without a point guard? It got better with Ricky Rubio because you had somebody that could control the offense, get the ball out of Devin Booker's hand when, when you need to actually set up the other players on the team. Imagine what that now looks like with Chris Paul. And this is a Chris Paul that people thought was done last year when he went to OKC. They got picked to... The, the over-under on how many games they would win last year was like 30 or something like that. They had... The, playoffs. They, they, they had playoffs. a less than 5% chance to make the playoffs, and they did. Like, Chris Paul was out there running around with Steve, Steven Adams, Gallinari, and anyone else. SGA, too. SGA is the best player on that team now. <laughs> and anyone else. So... That Chris Paul comes to Phoenix, and automatically you think... This only makes Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton better. Yeah, it makes 
it makes Booker better, but it really is supposed to make Aiton better. Because if you no. look at what Chris Paul has done over the course of his career, he's made Tyson Chandler an all-star. He's made DeAndre Jordan an all-star. He got Clint Capella play, I mean, paid because everybody thought Clint Capella was this great rim runner, rebounder, and shot blocker just because of his production with Chris Paul in Houston. So now you look at somebody with Aiton's natural talent averaging a double-double his first two years in the league. Now he got Chris Paul. Now he got a point guard. What do you expect? So much dunks. So much dunks. dunks. Pick and roll could be so lit. Pick and pop could be so lit. This this is the best thing that could have happened for the Suns. Like, Ricky Rubio was upset, but if he could learn how to shoot the three-point ball, he'll still be on the Suns. Let's just put it that way. I mean, way. Ricky Rubio, you can't be upset, dog. It's Chris Paul. I mean, yeah. I get what you, I get what you're saying. Like, I understand, but it's Chris Paul. It's, it, exactly. So, I really think that this elevates the Phoenix Suns to a top four seed in the West. I can see that. Just, like, with, I'm, just with Chris Paul. I, and yeah, they kept and Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is still a a, a good young player. Um, Michael Bridges. Michael Bridges. Miles yeah. over in Houston. Yeah. But, no, this this alone for the Phoenix Suns, they're going to get to the playoffs. Aiden's going to play meaningful um, basketball. And his points, he's going to average 20-some points a game this year just because of Chris Paul. Yeah, this this is the 2010 season, which which we thought was going to happen anyway. Because 2010, pro- I think more like a 2012. Because Chris Paul is going to make sure that oh, Aiden, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Aiden's I, on his chops. Like He's going to make yeah, sure that I was just... No, you set the he, bar too low. You set the bar too low. <laughs> no, but I just mean people say 2010 in terms of averaging a double-double. No, Not saying 20, that those are the exact 2012 numbers sounds he's going I agree, because he averaged uh, 11.5, 11.5 boards last year. So, yeah, and I think about what Devin Booker is going to be able to do. He doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. He is going to do what Buddy was doing in Sacramento with Dave Yeager. He's going to be able to come yeah. off a screen and whap. Three points all day. He's going to probably shoot 41% from the three-point line this season. Listen, this this team got decidedly... They, they got so much better having Chris Paul. And Aiden is usually lighthearted in interviews. He's not somebody that's going to... You're not going to get that quote from him that you want from, like, the salty superstar or somebody whining and complaining. He's, he's usually very lighthearted in all of his interviews, right? But that was at a whole other level because you could see the genuine excitement to have someone like Chris Paul. You got to keep in mind that all of these young superstars in the NBA were fans first. So they grew up watching Chris Paul be great from the very beginning. And now you get to play alongside somebody like that. And that's not distant history. You saw what he did last year. So you know he still has it. So you get to play with him now. In that interview, Aiton maybe said two or three words about himself in his game. He may have mentioned, and even that was in the context of Chris Paul, because somebody asked him, you know, about where he where he would get the ball or, you know, it was something to that nature. And Aiton said, well, I added tons of stuff to my game. I can't wait to show it, but it's all about where CP3 wants me to be. Like, he was already deferring to, listen, I am going to do whatever this man says because I know he can get me to that next level. I know he can make me better. I know he can make Book better. And, like, he said right away, I went to the weight room because I just wanted to get to work. We've never heard Aiton talk like this before. So you have to be excited at what the, the prospect of this season's going to be. Oh, And I think, I also think people are sleeping on the rest of the Suns, though, because Ke- Kelly Oubre 
went uh, in the trade, and people thought that was, you know, that was something huge that the Suns are going to miss. But you got to remember, Kelly Oubre averaged 18 points a game, but for a lot of that, Aiton wasn't there. So Kelly Oubre had to be that option. Aiton missed 25 games. So he had to be that option. And Kelly Oubre did not play in the bubble. He was coming off a knee injury. It was Cam Johnson, the lottery pick from two years ago, who stepped up and became one of the best three-point shooters in the team. They also added Jay Crowder. You saw what he did for the Heat. He's going to foul people and hit threes, which you always need. I like it. Like, I am bullish on the Suns making the playoffs. I'm, I'm with you. This is the one sure. year that it's upsetting that there won't be an all-star game because yeah, yeah. Aiden's going he's, he's gonna to make the all-star team. Aiden Booker and We CB3, were saying that from last year. Yeah, they're going to make the all-star team, all three of them. That is my take. It isn't even that hot because it's just true. Yeah, Russell Westbrook left the West. Who are the West point guards now? But John, John Wall. Wall. <laughs> yeah. John Wall is back with your boy. <laughs> oh, I, listen, Houston is my 15. Until Clay <laughs> comes back, Houston, Houston sliding in there as, as my 15. They like one spot behind Miami now. So that's that's what it is. All right, so we're mildly I'm mildly curious on what happens with the Kings because that's a situation for drama, but very excited for what happens with the Suns because of what is going on on the court and the prospects of that. Let's talk some college basketball uh, real quick. So we knew it for, for Bahamian basketball fans. Well, for us, we knew what this season was supposed to be. This season is all about Kai Jones and his draft stock. Like that's the number one thing. It, was it Yahoo Sports? Yeah, I think it was Yahoo Sports that like had him listed. I think it was SI had him in the top thirty. Or yeah, something. sorry, it was it was SI that had him listed in the in the top thirty draft prospects. Might have came as a shock to some people, but not not to us, obviously, because it's all about projection and what you expect them to become. You could see the versatility and the skill set that he had, even in flashes of his freshman season. So you extrapolate that to him getting more time getting bigger, faster, stronger like they all do. And right away, just through five games this season, he's lived up, I think, to the expectation of what people thought. What do you think about uh, Kai's start to the year? Well, the thing about it is, and I'll say Kai is is still very well grounded, right? Kai doesn't let the... I don't think he's let the hype get to his head. And I think a big part of that is his dad. And his dad is actually knows what Kai could be. So... You know, all those summer runs that he was doing, he was with NBA players in these summer runs in California with whoever, like eating, he was a Kyrie Irving. And and I remember Kai's dad was telling me, you know, he's going to these runs and these people are looking at him and saying, you belong in the NBA. Keep doing what you're doing. And Kai's motor alone is just tremendous because he's always going at 100. I think sometimes he's going at 100 too much because he likes to get in foul trouble too much. Like that, I don't really like the foul trouble. John. The, the, it just the first thing I look at in the box score with Kai Jones is how many fouls does this man have? Like that's the first thing I scroll to, and it always seems to be at two. <laughs> like he starts the game two. with two. Yeah, he starts the game. Yeah, with two it's fouls. just two. But he's missed two shots this season. One of them was a dunk, and the other one was a three pointer. Right. That's a pretty good sample size. Even though he's only shot the ball what sixteen times. He's shown that he's able to penetrate and get the layup. He's shown that he's able to dribble, step back, shoot the three. Like, he's just... And he's still learning the game. Like, 
he he's gone like he's averaging what 10 and 8 10 whatever yeah. those are numbers that are getting him into the lottery because people just see and the this, potential they see the potential and he's not he's not a starter on this team but he's always on the floor in crunch time if you look at the last two games which are very close for texas he's on the floor in crunch time he played in those big spots and this is why we always say everyone's journey is different like you don't you don't know when it's the right time to move or if it's the right time to stay based on who. And this, if, if he left, it would have been absolutely reasonable because you had Greg Brown coming in there who's a five-star recruit. So you may be thinking, am I the odd man out here? But he stayed and now you see how important he is to this team. There's nobody else on the team that's as versatile as he is. And the fact that you mentioned it, the fact that he's stepping out and shooting that three consistently and confidently, it doesn't look like all right, I get the ball and I just have to do it. Like, that's a confident-looking shot for somebody who's 6'11", who could handle the ball and block shots. That is exactly the prototypical four that every NBA team wants right now. So he literally fits the mold for what everybody is looking for. And it's not even just the offensive end. It's the defensive end because, you know, sometimes you got to watch games differently than just... Because everyone sees the dunks. Everyone sees all those highlights. But it's the little things that are going to get him his draft going up. The way he plays defense, the way he's able to, to break off the screens, front the screens. He's just so long, pause, that it's yeah. difficult to get the ball in the post, pause. But he can, but, he uh, can legitimately go. I don't, I don't think you had to pause. Get I, ball just in, in post, case. Did you? I mean, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. But he, he legitimately can guard one through five, though. Like, I know that's yeah. the thing that people say, but he really can guard one through five. And Shaka Smart was talking about that in the last press conference because obviously the American media is just getting introduced to him, but he's telling them this is somebody who grew up running. Like, he's going to run. Like, if it's one thing Kai's going to do, his motor is he's going to run. And all I, all I think that, that needed to happen because... We knew, we knew how, how raw he was in this game. We knew that his start to this was later than a lot of people. He's probably just getting used to his body right now. So it, it, it was going to take time, but where he is right now, way ahead of schedule. And the way the NBA is in terms of projection and you wanting to get the next one before someone else, he continues at this pace. We back at the draft, baby. Yeah, no, we, we at Maybe the draft because... You need me? No, Zoom. We'll be oh, we'll be at the house. Still be Zoom. <laughs> what, right, wherever they're at. Yeah, I, I'll I'll let I'll let you work on that. Like, do yeah, you think? I'll get I'll get tickets to the think? show. But um, no, the, the it's it's just crazy because what people think and what NBA, this is how NBA mind thinks. NBA mind thinks, oh, he's good. He's got potential. If we draft him now. We could develop him full time as opposed to him going to club. That, and that's what people are going to look at. Don't think because you pick number 10 that you're going to immediately produce. An NBA team would rather take you at 10, groom you for a year to be ready for year number two. Like, that's just, that's just how it is. These NBA teams will get their hands on him and do things. They, they'll develop him better. As much as college develops players... It's not like getting the 24-hour. No. You, you don't have any restrictions or anything. You could be at the gym all day, every day, getting coaching, getting trained, and work on your craft. Um, that's why you see a lot of these top prospects, and it's probably going to happen more after they see 
how this season's going to turn out. A lot of them are going to go this new G League route because let me just be a pro 24 hours a day rather than this and make half a million dollars. Class. Why not? Yeah, let me. Th- Unless I'm trying to be a real student, like get calm one on one out of here. I don't have time for that. I need to go work on my spin move. The like, thing is, Kai has a four point GPA, so he probably I know, like he, he yeah, probably like, enjoys schoolwork too. He is one of them who is legitimately into school. You know that ain't what everybody about. Watch like, all of a sudden we're we see about, like Kai has graduated from University of Texas in two years. <laughs> like, yeah, he probably he's gonna graduate early while he's in the NBA. Like that's yeah. something that's legitimately legitimately going to happen but um we did say that everyone's journey is different and somebody who the the power five experience didn't wasn't working out for him well was franco and then he we see him transfer to fgcu already getting more minutes being a part of a program it is his game looks different i'm happy to see him back on the floor and happy to see him playing well because we always thought he had this kind of potential yeah, and, and the biggest thing is it's always you've got to go to a place where you're going to play. Like, or Miss, and I get the whole going to a big school thing, but I really feel like, example, Ahmad, who went to Coastal Carolina, some people are like, oh, why is he going there? I just feel he feels that's the best fit for him where he's going to get minutes yeah. eventually in his career. Or Miss was a tough situation because they had two all SEC guards already mm-hmm. when Franco went there. And to, to, to crack that rotation, a, a consistent rotation and having the injury is tough. So it's just good and to see him. He came, he came in yeah. banged up. It, it's just good to see him being able to get the waiver, being on the court and playing. Like, people expected Franco probably to come out of Florida Gulf Coast and dominate. It's going to take time. It's going to take time yeah. for him to adjust to playing different competition. Because you remember, he's only been literally playing practice scrimmages and practices. Now he's getting the feel of hitting different people, different people playing him. People are now specifically scouting for him in a, in a certain way. So I really feel that Franco, when the season's getting closer to the end, he'll probably be around uh, a 12 to 13 point a game player um, this season. And the, bi- the biggest part of that is now you have, and this is what every player wants, you don't have to constantly be looking over your shoulder being afraid to make a mistake. So, Because you know seeing spot duty at Ole Miss, you may be playing like, what, five, eight minutes a game. So if you hear your name called, you know, the minute I get in, I can't afford to do anything wrong because my leash is so short. Well, now at FGCU, you have a chance to really explore your game and to do more. But that's just like him shooting because even at Ole Miss, when he got in the game sparingly, he would pass the ball always. He would always pass the ball. Like, Franco's first game at Gulf Coast, I think he had like four or five turnovers. And to me, that literally is... Franco is a much better ball handler than what the turnovers showed in the stat sheet. Like, I looked, at, yeah. I looked at that and I said, man, that's a lot of turnovers. But the last couple other games, he's only had like one turnover. So it's just getting used to playing basketball at this level. Like, people feel that, oh, if you're not power five, you're not playing D1 basketball. Nah, man, all these kids are good at the D1 level. Yeah, like... like Travis and, had a great career at a mid-major. Like, yeah. Rashad is doing the same thing going from, and we will get to him next, but he went the Juco route, went to UT Arlington, and now at FIU, already had his career high within the first three games of the season. So, I mean, it. that's why I was I started this by saying the experience is, is different for everybody. Like, obviously, Rashad seems very comfortable at FIU. Huh. Miami. 
But you got to think hey, of this. You had hey, a, a Franco hey, transfer, right? He transferred, and now he's a starter at another school. Rashad was mm-hmm. a starter at UTA, transfers to FIU, and he's still a starter. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just go to uh, Rashad. I've been to the last couple games. Yesterday's game was canceled, unfortunately. But I've been to the, the games. He is playing power forward. They have this man yeah. playing power forward. Undersized six, power four, forward. Six, five. And he's still getting rebounds. And he's playing defense. And he's just hooping. He's a leading rebounder. Yeah. He's just hooping. And, and my thing is, I feel Rashad is going to have the same thing as Travis. Where since he's playing out of position... The looks he's gonna get are not gonna be as good as if he was playing in position, like in the perfect. Rashad Davis is a professional basketball player. Yeah, somewhere I, in I this think world. he's going. I think he's going pro. Like, he is. He I, is I, a the pro last because two years have solidified yeah. that for me. The the defensive prowess that he has, like, I, I keep telling people is like the time when we could get Rashad Davis and Travis Munnings on the national team, it is gonna be a problem because they could guard the one, two, and three, and. Rashad's been guarding the four. So he's playing out of position and he's still putting up these numbers, which is very impressive. Um, Mario Bolek's greatest accomplishment? No. Does he, talk about it? Does he talk about him every day? Oh, Jesus <laughs> Okay, so you mean to tell me this D1 player who we just said is going to go pro, product of CC Sweeting, I remember him winning uh, Hugh Campbell MVP when he was probably the youngest player on the team. Right then, people should have recognized that this is something, this is someone different. So he was an uh, underclassman at that point, goes out, wins MVP, and you don't think that's Mario's greatest accomplishment. Well, who could well, it be, John? As a coach, <laughs> who is his greatest talent that he's ever had? Oh, you're talking basketball-wise? I mean, yes. it, it's, it's very close between one and two. But I've okay. heard it from Mario himself saying that Rashad Davis yeah. is his greatest basketball player that he's ever produced. I've heard that he's straight. He said that in front of you. Yeah. It's not you. I must be the greatest person that has come out of his program. <laughs> I mean, listen, we talk a lot about your rebounding, but you just said that Rashad playing out of position and leading the team in rebounding. So I play out of position my whole life. Better- but Maybe I have a, a whole website now, and, and I do full productions <laughs> and stuff, highlighting these people. So congratulations to me. <laughs> no, but no, Rashad Davis, yes. Um, Matt, trust me, we were talking about it when we were in Indianapolis, and he was talking, and he said, Rashad Davis is the best player that I've ever coached. And I believe, I, and he's like, he's one of the few that has got it, like, he understood yeah. what was what Mario was talking about because he's still on a daily contact with Mario. But it's it's something where he he understood the way that Mario coached wasn't yeah. to be a hard ass, wasn't to be this, but to help him get to where he is now. Yeah, uh, the last person I want to get to before we get out of here is Val coming back for, for Ole Miss and Coach Yo. So we knew that. The third year is a year when you could really tell what a head coach is able to do because now she's had the best class she's ever had come into Ole Miss. Like, this this recruiting class is it. This is the one that's nationally ranked. This is the one that was the best in the SEC. She got... I mean, it's it's a haul that you wouldn't expect the Ole Miss program to get, and now people want to see what she does with it. But I think Val coming back to that program is so important not just for Ole Miss, but I think for Coach Yo personally, because we knew we know how much of a personal project she is for her. 
And she is going to be a productive part of this team. Before the drama, what happened last year, she was one of the... She was leading the SEC in steals at the point. She was leading... She was leading uh, Ole Miss in assists. And the first game of the season, she didn't play. Comes out against Kansas. Has a, a pretty okay game off the bench. But... I'm interested to see how she fits into this rotation and what it's going to look like moving forward. Because like we said before we started this part, if there's any year you need senior leadership or you just need vets on a team, it's this college basketball season. Yeah, and with Valerie, you've the my thing with Valerie is she's always struggled with shooting the ball. That's been her one knock her entire career. But defensively, she has it. She she could handle the ball. And she could pass the ball. So, like you say, just her being a senior, her being to the point where she's coming off the bench right now. Like, who knows what's going to happen later on in the season. But the the familiarity that Coach Yo has with Val is going to help tremendously through the season. Because she knows if I need that pit bull on the court, I can call Val. Because Val is going to put everything she has. Like, like you say, the relationship between Valerie and Coach Yo is like none other this is a coach or someone who's coached her at the national team levels helped to get off to school uh get a scholarship to go play in the u.s like she's she knows the talent that valerie has let's just let's just put it that way now is valerie going to be able to help produce in a i guess a more minimum minimum role as last year because last year she she had a lot of burden on her and then we know what happened mid-season off the team and now she came back but I think that this is a time where Valerie could just do so much more. She had, what, eight shots the last game or seven shots, only made yeah. one, made two free throws. But she's going to be such a big piece going later on in the season just to have a point guard because she could play at a ton of D1 programs. She could probably yeah, yeah. be starting at a ton of D1 programs. But for Coach Yo to have that in the back pocket to be like, hey, Val, I need this now, it's just it's something where you're looking forward to see later on in the season. I think what they went through last year not only made her a better player, it probably made her a better person as well. Because if you listen to interviews with both of them, I remember this summer, while, of course, everyone was locked down and Coach Yo was doing her, her a, a series of interviews yeah, and podcast, talks on Twitter. The no and then, yeah, and then, she, yeah. Had, and then she, had, she had Val on one, and they just talked about how that experience made them better because... You would think that, or someone on the outside looking in would think this is a Bahamian coaching at the D1 level, brings in a Bahamian recruit. She's going to look out for her girl. No, she's going to treat her like she treats everyone else. So if you could be off that team, it could happen to anyone. So I think that that also sent a message to her team. Like, everybody knows you better be with it. And if you're not a part of this program, then you're literally not going to be a part of this program. I, I think I think Val knows that, and she knows that she has this second chance at redemption, and she's going to be a better player because of it. I look forward to this team doing uh, big things this year in the SEC. And like I said, it's year three, and Coach Yo's always emphasized, look, don't judge me on my first couple years. She's always said year three, year three. When year three comes, you're going to see what we build and go into Ole Miss. Because I remember when Coach Yo called me. I was in San Antonio at the Final Four. And Coach Yo called me and she said, where are you at right now? I'm like, I'm in San Antonio. She's like, there's no way that you could meet me in a place if I text you, right? And I was like, man, my flight's tomorrow morning back to Nassau. I don't think I could. I could switch that up. 
if I was flying the Memphis connection, then I would have said, cool, let's go. I'll get to Memphis and then I head down. But um, she's always said, like, and she told me after the Jacksonville game at the at NIT, she's just like, big things are coming. Don't worry about it. Big things are coming. And I'm a, yeah. I think Coach Yo is the best coach we have in the Bahamas. Um, yeah, male or female, I've I've been saying that from the from the longest. A lot of people be like, "Oh, what do you mean, Coach Yo is the best coach we have from the Bahamas, hands down." She could oh, hear we this. We thought she should have been. Yeah. We thought she should have been the men's national team yeah. coach. So she knows that, and I believe in what she's built. She built a program in Jacksonville that made the NCAA tournament, that got robbed at UCF. That her last game in Jacksonville, when those referees went just blatantly calling everything against her took that game to overtime this yeah. season is going to be a special season and she's she's a she's a recruiter she could recruit the hell out of anyone like she has everything going for her as a recruiter like she could go into any home and just talk about anything she could talk about not being from the country she could talk about being a minority in in the in the sport as a woman and as a uh, being black in, so it's like as a she, person in Mississippi. Yeah. So she has <laughs> everything going for her. And like I said, when you talk to Coach Yo, it's real. It's to me, it's never fake. Yeah. It's never something where you're like, ah, oh, she's just now. Nah, I trust if if I have a girl, if I ever have a kid, and it is a basketball player, I've already committed to Coach Yo. End of story. <laughs> like before birth, you're gonna go play for Coach Yo if she's coaching. Hey, if they put her on the nominee list for Athlete of the Year, I'll vote for her. <laughs> See, that's professionalism coming full circle, because that's where we end it, by just also reiterating and hammering the point home that the Ministry of Sports is horrible at this. This has been the accredited... We'll be, we didn't get to a whole lot of Bahamian college basketball players, but we'll do that over the course of the season. Uh, y'all stay with us. Tune in. Or listen. How are you